Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to Renewables. We are very excited to have Dr. Jerry Hatfield on our episode this week. And uh, for our viewers and listeners who have been staying tuned, we really appreciate you. Thank you for listening and tuning in every week. And as you know, this is part four of our four-part series featuring our organic fertilizer business and our renewable natural gas business. And a great episode last week with Alan Philo from the Biostar team. We, we really dug into our patented Super 6 organic fertilizer product. And we are very happy to have Alan back this week uh, out of necessity, really, because uh, we're going to get in the weeds on soil health today and uh, wanted to bring Alan on as a co-moderator uh, so that when Dr. Hatfield here uh, starts getting too down in the weeds and goes above my pay grade, Alan will be able to uh, to step in and help. So, uh, Dr. Hatfield, thank you so much for joining the show this week. It's really a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you. And it's my pleasure to be here as well. So, Excellent. Well, uh, Dr. Hatfield is a retired uh, USDA Agricultural Research Service plant physiologist. And um, tell our viewers and listeners, just to get started, a little bit about your career and uh, your background and your expertise uh, to sort of set the stage before we dive into soil health and, and why it's so important. Yeah, it's... Uh... I retired from USDA in uh, last January of 2020. Uh, that's after a 45-year career. Uh, 36 of it was with uh, USDA. I had eight years with uh, the University of California, Davis. Uh, my PhD is actually in uh, agricultural climatology with a minor in statistics. And so I've spent a lot of time looking at the soil plant atmosphere continuum and over the past 30 years, from 1989 through 2020, I was the laboratory director for the National Soil Tilth Lab until we renamed it the National Lab for Ag and the Environment uh, in, in 19, or 2009. But my uh, interest in all of this is really of how do we improve crop production efficiency? How do we begin to look at this whole continuum that we call the soil plant atmosphere uh, system. And so obviously if we wanna produce plants, uh, we've, we've got to rely on our soil, but we also have got a weather interaction. Uh, we've got genetics and all of this and everything. So it's really a matter of how do we optimize that system so that we can uh, continue to improve, uh, produce the food that we need for uh, the sustaining the population around the world. Absolutely. That's fascinating stuff. I'm really excited to dig into this. And before uh, we kind of have you and perhaps some Alan um, kind of set the stage on some soil basics, if you will, uh, we'll start there and then we'll dig in a little deeper, but just start kind of at the highest level. Um, why is soil health so important um, beyond what you've just described? Yeah, if you think about soil health, and, and I think this is where a lot of people have 
confusion because they think, well, you talk about human health and now we talk about soil health. But I think if we go back and we think about what do we want soils to do? <laughs> we want them to provide water for our plants. We want them to provide for, support for them. We want to supply nutrients. We want to get the optimum productivity out of that plant. So when you think about this relative to the health dynamic, is that when you go to the doctor, I mean, they take blood pressure, they take blood samples, they take all these different things that looks at the functionality of your body. Well, what we're really trying to do in soil health is saying how optimally does that soil function in terms of providing these things like water, nutrients, support, uh, all the different things that we need to grow a plant. And so we start thinking about it from a functionality point of view, I think it becomes a lot clearer as to what we really want in terms of these dynamics. Sure. Fascinating. So let's jump into the basics. Um, and Alan, please feel free to uh, chime in and, and guide the conversation with me. But um, let's kind of start just sort of setting the stage on the basics of soil and soil structure uh, for our listeners before we dive too deep. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, let's, you're right, let's start at the basics, and let's begin to look and say, you know, what is soil? <laughs> soil is a combination of sand, silt, and clay, and organic matter, and we think about, you know, if we just, if you go to a beach, <laughs> you know, it's just all made of sand, you know, we're not going to get much water out of that, we're not going to get much nutrients out of it, I mean, we all play in our sandboxes, and our kids play in sandboxes, but in reality, it's hard to grow a plant in there. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we think about all of this aspect of soil, what makes it so fascinating and important is that we've added organic material into that. And that organic material allows that sand, silt, and clay to form into clumps that we call aggregates. Uh, that's where a lot of the water, that's where the water holding capacity, that's where the nutrient cycling capacity all comes from. So, you know, you really look at soil. Uh, and it is a very complex system, and we as humans do a lot to manage that. Uh, we do a lot to mess it up as well, but, uh, you know, I think we need to understand that all of these things are a balance between what we start with as parent material, because that's where sand, silt, and clay comes from, and what we've done as management to be able to, to, uh, make that soil really what it is today. And I'm just going to jump in and add uh, to that, that what we're dealing with is, um, is a living system. Um, it's appropriate to talk about soil health because soil is, is alive. Um, there is a huge amount of biological diversity that occurs in soils. And there's lots of ways that people talk about this. So, one way is to think of it, you know, in like weight terms, you know, there is in an, in an acre slice. So that's about a six inch, it's like six inches down into the soil, right? Because when you're dealing with soil, you're dealing with a three-dimensional medium. We're not just talking about the surface. We're actually talking about going down into the soil. So an acre slice is an is acre on the top, but six inches deep. And uh, in that acre slice, um, there are multiple tons of microbes working. And uh, a, a, a 
good way to think about that too is that if you pick up a handful of soil, um, to give you an idea of both the amount that's in there and the diversity, there are more species of microbes in the handful of soil than you pick, that you pick up than there are people in the world. Wow. So, yeah, right. So, so it is a living medium and it is a living medium that sort of confounds um, quantification or taxonomical identification. And what you're doing with that is that, that that living part of the soil is actually what is taking those uh, components that Jory was talking about, the sand, silt, and the clay, and it, and it is actively working together with the organic matter to form those soil aggregates and to develop the structure that we consider, as, he would, as Jerry was saying, to be a functional soil structure. And that um, structure actually has a, a volumetric ratio to it. Um, and what's fascinating about this volumetric ratio is anywhere you go in the world, any soil that is functional will have the same volumetric ratio. And it's because mm -hmm. it's being established by the microbes. And that ratio is that by volume, soil should be 50% um, basically like physical matter, right? The sand, silt, the clay, the organic matter, 25% water and 25% air, right? Mm -hmm. So that when we're talking about a functional soil, a functional soil is structured into those volumetric ratios, and that is done by the living biology in the soil. And I think, Jerry, can you talk about how that's like water infiltration becomes such a great way of looking at um, that volumetric ratio and the functional aspect of soil health? Yeah, if you can come back and look at that, and I, I would amplify one uh, piece that Alan made relative to uh, this uh, acre slice is that that uh, one acre six inches deep is roughly two million pounds. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're not talking about a small <laughs> weight here. Right. We're talking about a lot of tons uh, going on. And, and if you look at this, when we really look at the dynamics of soil uh, and, and all of this, is that water and air are two of the critical things. They're, they're necessary for life. Uh, and when I talk to people about how we improve soil health, the first step on that is biology. And, and what does biology want? <laughs> it wants to be fed, <laughs> it wants water, it wants air, and it wants shelter. Uh, basically, it doesn't like to be disturbed. Um, and so when you think about this, uh, this water infiltration is really how do we get that water into that soil? Uh, and because if we don't get it into the soil, what happens to it? It runs off and it gives in streams nearby and everything else. So it doesn't have any value for it. Yeah. Same time, those same aggregates, when they're uh, allowing water infiltration or allowing gas infiltration, because, because we are a biological system, we rely on oxygen. And so we need to get that oxygen back and forth in that soil profile as well. So this balance between solid material, water, and air are all part and necessary for the, the life that we have both within that soil and, and the, the life that we have above that soil in terms of growing plants. 
makes makes sense and uh i enjoy spending time with you all because i always learn something uh but but really you, you did a great job of sort of laying out the basics there and and thank you for that and so as we kind of transition into farming which of course uh we're going to talk about today and is of course important and an important part of our business um, and for our viewers and listeners who had maybe missed uh, John Martin's episode a couple episodes back, uh, we sort of tell the origin story of Biostar Renewables. And John also does a really interesting, pretty high level and quick summary of, of fertilizer and farming and how uh, traditional fertilizers have impacted farming and soil health over the you know many, many decades. And so, um, Jerry, touch on that, how farming affects soils positively or negatively, and um, sort of as a farmer, you know, what do you have to be paying attention to and, and focused on to make sure that you have a healthy environment to go grow crops? Yeah, let's, uh, let's go back a little bit and just talk about this whole uh, dynamic of, of soil health, but think about those aggregates that uh, are formed because we, uh, we take um, biological products, <laughs> microbial products, and, and that forms the glue that, that uh, allows that sand, silt, and clay to come together. Uh, and so when we think about this, our whole goal in, in agriculture, we think about soil improvement is to get as much carbon into that soil as possible because that carbon is really in the form of, um, of glucose, it's in the form of sugars, it's in the form of all the different things. And, and just think about what we want to do is that we want to feed that system underneath that. Well, that carbon is our energy source. And we think about that carbon and the energy source in there. Uh, Farming from one standpoint is really about how we grow crops that, that put that carbon into that soil that allows all of this to, to change. And, and what we see in reality is that those changes occur, occur very rapidly. Uh, you can take a, a moderately sandy soil, begin to grow that, and you begin to see a color change uh, near the surface as we add organic matter. And so we often think about soil forming processes of being decade long processes, but these microbial systems are working quite rapidly. So you think about what farming does <clears throat> in addition to putting carbon into that soil. The other thing that it does when we begin to put that plant on there is that we're, we're taking and, and protecting that surface from raindrop energy. Uh, that rain hits the leaf first and then it slowly moves down through that, uh, that canopy down to the soil so we can keep that water coming into it. Uh, we keep a lot of channels open so that we get that water storage within the profile. Uh, you got all those different things that are going on. But the, the one piece, and this is the negative of agriculture, is that when we till or stir up that soil, is that we begin to release that CO2 or that carbon back into the atmosphere. And so you can think about when we aggressively till that soil is that there are clouds of CO2 or carbon going back up into the atmosphere. And one of the things that we've seen through our experiments uh, where we've measured soils and we've measured the carbon exchange and, and 
crop canopies is that a, a typical farming system across the Midwest is losing about a thousand pounds of carbon per acre per year. Uh, you know, and so you think about <laughs> this is that, you know, we're continually degrading our soils by, by just tilling them. Uh, and you can till all the organic matter and, and we see that happening a, a lot of this. So farming can, is a positive <laughs> and farming can be a negative. And, and when we start looking at the balances of what we have is that our whole goal should be to, as we improve soil health, is how do we make sure that we're putting as much into that soil as possible from the atmosphere, the, the carbon that we convert into the carbohydrates that we put into the soil that, that then begins to change all the soil properties uh, along the way. So that farming, just from one aspect of, of growing plants does this. And then the better we grow that plant, <laughs> the more carbon we put into the soil. So mm -hmm. it is a, is a pretty interesting cycle <laughs> that we have in terms of looking at it from uh, January 1 to December 31, what happens on, a, on an overall system. And, and then you go from one season to the next on how do we begin to change that dynamic. Right. And so obviously uh, our business is, we're in the business of making uh, an organic fertilizer product and uh, we'll get into that here in a minute and, and some of the benefits specifically of our product, but just in general, talk about the importance of fertilization and how that's sort of changed or approaches or technologies maybe have changed over the decades um, and, and the effect of the fertilization on soils. Yeah, just, just come back and, and think about uh, you know, we grow, <laughs> you know, just put it into a human context. We grow, you know, not just because of the carbon we put in there. If we all just ate sugar all the time, we wouldn't be very good. Um, you know, we've got to have nitrogen for to build proteins in our body. We've got to have all these other minerals that go in. Think about that same way in soils. If we want a really healthy plant, it's not just about carbon. It's you've got nitrogen, you've got phosphorus, you've got potassium, all those things are are the micro macronutrients that we talk about for for building all these different blocks that, of products but you've got all the other micronutrients to go with it so sure. in order for us to effect, effectively grow a plant we've got to have all these other nutrients available to that plant uh, because they get shunted off in all sorts of metabolic forms that are important for us so fertilization is critical because our ability to grow the plant is determined by uh, how balanced that nutrient and how available that nutrient source is. Got to eat your greens, right? Got to eat your greens. You got <laughs> to make sure all of it's there. Yeah, not not just carbs. It's it can be easy to eat too many carbs. That's that's interesting. I appreciate you putting it in the human context too, because that. Uh, that is helpful and it, it's a good way to think about it. Um, and uh, please, if you had something else, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I was, I was, what I was going to say is that, you know, we have to realize that, that life is a balance. <laughs> you yeah. know, we, we can have, you could have too much nitrogen, you could have too much phosphorus, you could have a lot of these things that are too much and become toxic levels. And so when we really think about this management aspect, 
it's, it's how do we optimize that system for, for, for performance? Um, sure. And so it is that balanced diet uh, that we think about, you know, if we all ate too many carbs, you know, what happens? And if you all eat too much protein, what happens? So it's, and the same thing in soils. And I think we need to start thinking about soils from that perspective of, of what, how do we make sure that we have that balance uh, so that sure. we're effectively growing that plant? Well, we're recording this just so our viewers and listeners know, a little fun here. Uh, we're recording this the Friday before the Super Bowl. And of course, my Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Um, sorry, Alan, I don't mean to rub it in. Uh, but but I've heard I, from I, the Chiefs for the Chiefs ever since I was eight years old because I grew up in central Iowa. And all right. you have your choice of teams. So the Chiefs were my were my team. That was all the way back in the uh, Steve DeBerg, Marty Schottenheimer, Christian Okoye days. So yeah, those were those were tougher days. <laughs> well, anyways, what I was gonna say was I have a feeling that I might eat too many carbs or drink too many carbs this weekend, and I'll have to get back to that balanced diet uh, next week, starting on Monday. So um, anyhow, bad joke, but. Let's. You mentioned a couple of times, Jerry, uh, nitrogen, and you know our product, uh, which certainly Alan can speak more about, is a six percent nitrogen product. But talk specifically about nitrogen and the importance of that as it relates to the health of soils. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to jump in. Hold on for for just a second before we hit the nitrogen, because I want to bring sure. out a couple of things that happen with fertilization and soils because it's it's important to kind of get this out there before we talk about um, nitrogen, nitrogen's effect and what Super 6 is doing. So, you know, the way that, uh, a, you know, Jerry was talking about positives and negatives with farming. And uh, one of the things that happens with, with, with farming is that, you know, obviously we're departing in a large way from what uh, that soil would be covered with and the relations between the plants on that soil and the microbes underneath the soil is when, when we're not, you know, messing with it, right? So, you know, very, on a very basic level, um, you will not find things growing in perfect straight rows, right? If you just walk out onto a prairie or even, even into a pasture, which is sort of like a modified prairie system. And the relationship that happens out there um, in the soil between the plants and the microbes in the soil is, and we were talking about the way in which these different things are being, basically carbon dioxide is being taken in by plants and it's being made into sugars. And that that's how photosynthesis works, right? That's how we capture that, uh, that solar energy. But then they're doing all sorts of things with those sugars. They're taking those sugars and they're making their their bodies out of them. You know, uh, plants are a large amount, basically just carbon. And um, but they're also taking a lot of that and they're pumping it down into their root systems. And they're actually exuding sugars out of the root systems in order to feed the microbes that live in the soil. And the reason they do that is because microbes are amazing little machines. Um, they have without going too deep into this, they have incredibly flexible genetic structures. And they have the ability to sort of like bring in all sorts, if you think of them as like little computers or little machines being run by computers, they can actually bring in all sorts of different 
computer programs that allow them to break down and access different nutrients that are in the soil, which plants don't have the ability to, ability to do. Because in a natural system, there's no fertilizer. What you have is parent material or organic residues, and those things have to be broken down and then those nutrients made available and then the plants get a hold of them, but they do that through the intermediary of the microbiology, right? So that is a very different system than what we're doing in a farm field, because in a farm field, we would actually prefer that the plant, instead of transporting so many sugars into the soil to feed the microbes, actually take as many of those sugars as possible and build them into the usable parts of the plant that we want to harvest. Hmm. And so part of what we do is the way mineral fertilization works is when you put a mineral fertilizer down, it allows for the plants to have access to the nutrients without the intermediary of feeding the microbiology, okay? That is the way this industrial, um, like, synthetic fertilization model has operated really for I'd say the past 50 to 80 years um, with our with our present form really coming into being just after World War II. Um, so it's actually about a 70 year old system. There have been some changes along the way, but that's the dynamic that we're operating in. So that's part of what's going on with, um, with these fertilizers. So again, to just kind of summarize, we're bypassing this system where the plants feed the microbes, the microbes make the minerals available, the plants take up the minerals. We are feeding the plant with the minerals directly so the plant can take more of the sugars and put them into yield. That's different and that's a lead in because that's a little bit different than what we're doing, um, say with our Super 6 products and sort of with organic fertility in general. So I, ju I just wanted to draw that out. I appreciate it very much. Please, Jerry. Yeah, I was going to just amplify on uh, Alan's comment on the, a minute is that, uh, you know, we, we think about uh, agriculture and, you know, we don't have a lot of discussion about carbon. <laughs> you know, we talk about nitrogen, we talk about phosphorus, we talk about all the other nutrients, but in reality, uh, absolutely right. Our whole goal is to figure out how much of carbon we take from the atmosphere, we put it into sugars, we put it into byproducts, and, and we... We want to haul it off of that field that, to be able to do something with it. And so modern agriculture has really uh, short-circuited the idea that, that we need to even understand the microbiological system within this. Uh, it's only been the past few years that we've discovered that, oh, maybe we ought to be paying attention <laughs> to the microbial system for, for lots of different reasons. But one is if we want to increase uh, the resilience of our systems to uh, all the perturbations that are going on in terms of uh, uh, weather variations, uh, all the other pieces, that we need to understand that that soil can provide a lot of buffering capacity. And that's really what resilience is, is a buffering capacity. And so when we begin to improve our soil health, we improve our ability to, to withstand these shocks, to, to understand these short-term things that optimize our productivity as well. So people are beginning to understand that it's not just about supplying nutrients. It's really about getting that soil up to really performing uh, at a much more optimum level that, that allows that plant to even do better. Hmm. 
have over the years has the presence of other fertilizers or you know farming methods uh, are, do you see that the soil health has diminished over the years uh or or speak to that a little bit if you don't mind yeah i mean it, it really a, a classic example if you go look at the the long-term plots that uh, the moral plots in illinois and the sanborn plots in in missouri uh, you know, we're over 100 years of farming, either with continuous corn or rotations or things like that. From the time we started <clears throat> up or managing those systems, uh, the organic matter has decreased, <laughs> uh, you know, and it decreased very rapidly at the beginning. So we've taken organic matter out of the soil. We can see that same thing across the, the Midwest when you go out and you look and you, you look at the landscape and you find out that the top of those hills is a lot uh, lighter colored uh, than mm -hmm. the, the sides of the hills or even the bottom. So we've taken, visually we can see that organic matter leaving that. So we've actually made our systems much more dependent on what we put into that uh, wow. by synthetic uh, materials and everything else to be able to produce these crops. So, you know, agriculture is, in, in my opinion, is a success story. <laughs> but in reality, we need to think about how we can make it even a more efficient success story as we go forward. Sure. Yeah, and, and how to make it as sustainable as possible. And I think that's a good transition uh, into specifically the effects of nitrogen on soil health. Um, either Alan or Jerry, if you would take that one, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, if you... I'll start and Alan can and can kind of uh, maybe add to this. If you think about uh, the two building blocks that are important for our systems, you know, carbon, nitrogen is all important. And, and you look at this, it really becomes a, a carbon nitrogen ratio. If we take a, a corn stalk out there at the end of the season, that carbon nitrogen ratio is probably about 40 to one. <laughs> And, and when we put a plant into that system, you know, it's often going to be uh, nitrogen deficient because the microbes that are there uh, are going to uh, require that nitrogen in order to grow. And so we have this competition going on. So if we supply that nitrogen in there, we can kind of short circuit that. Uh, but nitrogen is, is critical because it's the basis of, of forming protein. So, you know, and all of this different cell structure that we have out there. So it is one of the critical elements. That's why it's, it's often considered the most important nutrient to manage in this system. Uh, and I think that we need to understand that when we affect nitrogen, we and I'll just use a simple example, when we take a green leaf and we, uh, it's really optimized in terms of photosynthetic, but you make that uh, leaf a little bit yellow, we're no longer uh, as efficient in capturing sunlight and converting it into sugar because the chlorophylls are not working the way they're supposed to. Uh, so, you know, it really is important and you see this yellowing and you know that that plant is, is no longer on the efficient category. And so we always want to make sure that it's green <laughs> because that's an indication that it's uh, effectively capturing what we want it to capture. Um, what I would add too is again to kind of contrast natural systems like non-human intervened systems with farming systems. 
Um, there's a really different way in which the nitrogen dynamics work. Uh, nitrogen is an interesting uh, nutrient in that it can take a number of different forms as it travels through the, the soil um, and the plant. So uh, when, when we're talking about natural ways that nitrogen gets into a soil, um, there's a couple ways that that happens. One of them is actually interesting, it's lightning. Um, lightning uh, causes, you might think of it as like a modified atmospheric Haber-Bosch process. The Haber-Bosch process is the process by which we humans artificially fix nitrogen from the atmosphere into a fertilizer form, right? There's a lot of nitrogen in the atmosphere. Um, in fact, uh, what, what's the percentage, Jerry? 80%. Yeah, it's actually one of the large, largest components of the atmosphere, right? Wow. But it's hard to get it out of the form that it's in in the atmosphere into the form that's usable for plants. So, mm -hmm. uh, so lightning will actually change that to a form where it's now ammonium and it will rain down on the soil surface and it can be taken up by plants. So that's a way, a natural addition. The other way that it naturally gets in is through legumes. So legumes are like beans, peas, alfalfa, and they actually form, again, this is a microbial medi microbially mediated process. They actually form an association with, with a special microbe that creates a nodule on the root and the plant feeds it sugar again and those microbes actually take atmospheric nitrogen and change it into a form that's usable for them. And then when the plant stops feeding them sugar, um, they die off. So it's, it's a little bit brutal here, but um, those, those, <laughs> those microbes die off and then the plant actually utilizes the nitrogen that was put, that they've, that they've fixed. Hmm. In a natural system, what happens over time is that Nitrogen levels build up to a level in soils and in a natural system where for the most part, they're just sort of cycling through the system. And you don't have large amounts of nitrogen needing to be applied to the system because it's, it's, it's always cycling. The plants are taking it up as it's decomposing out of plant residue, etc. That's very different from a farming system because what are we doing with all of those products that are, are the plants are creating is we're removing them from the field, right? And so um, in order to optimize plant productivity, we have to put nitrogen in in some form or we have to affect nitrogen dynamics where we can get nitrogen to release faster out of the soil system than it regularly would release in a natural system. So that's part of why you have to do nitrogen fertilization uh, in the first place. Very interesting. Thank you uh, for for all of that. I, I, like I said, I always learn something uh, that's fascinating. That nitrogen is the atmosphere is eighty percent nitrogen. That that seems hard to believe. Um, so we've talked a lot about carbon and uh, BioStar as a whole. Our our mission as a company is to leave the Earth a more sustainable place than we found it, and so. Talk a little bit about how, really, just at a at a thinking of the bigger picture, um, how does this all impact climate change and tie in with climate change, and um, how is so, why is soil health such an important part of leaving 
you know, the earth more sustainable than we found it. Yeah, I mean, you, if you look at this uh, from a standpoint that uh, the atmospheric CO2, uh, you know, continues to go up and, and you know, there's a lot of discussion about carbon sequestration and capturing carbon and putting it back in the soil. Well, right. good soil health is, is really a function of, of carbon that goes into that. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about all the different playoffs, but you know, if we want to think about this and, and not just focus on carbon, but what does carbon do to improve water availability, improve nutrient cycling, all these other things that are associated with this, is we've got to start looking at it from a much broader picture. Uh, you know, we everybody's fascinated with, with carbon sequestration. And if you look at within a soil, uh, there's very little of that carbon that's really sequestered and in, in, in a permanent status. <laughs> uh, most of it is, is really in a, in a very rapid cycling. Uh, you, you look at, we talk about the microbial aspects of this, you know, we're taking sugars out of the, the plant root, we're putting it into the microbes, we're taking that carbon and we're putting it into uh, the, the glue that forms those aggregates out there. Uh, but, you know, as we break it down, that's going to be cycled as well. But over time, you know, as we increase organic matter, we put more carbon in there, but uh, it's not in real static form and it's very dynamic, but it's those dynamics that make that agricultural system as productive as it is. Uh, and so we, our goal, goal, and you think about sustainability is to get that carbon in there because that carbon uh, and increasing that aggregate stability uh, and then the aggregate stability allows the, the water to come in and, and be stored as well. But those microbes are also releasing uh, minerals out of that uh, organic material that's out there. They're working with the the, the clay minerals in terms of releasing some of the nutrients and all of this. So that whole sustainability piece is really a result of, of getting more and more organic material back into that, but also allowing that biological system to do what it's supposed to do. And that is to uh, create that soil in, in, in really an optimum state in terms of productivity. And so that, that kind of gets into you know, we talk about how modern fertilization in a way is sort of like bypassing that system, right? It's actually made it possible for, um, it, it, it has caused soils to degrade in the long term because we are doing things that are bypassing the way the natural system functions in terms of feeding the minerals directly to the plants, reducing the amount of carbon that the plants are pumping into the soil, right? We've done that and it's created obvious benefits for you know, humanity because it's produced us more food. But there's a tipping point where if we continue down that path for too long, we can get to a point where soils cease functioning. And then you also have the fact that there is a certain amount of CO2 as it leaves the soil that is adding to the buildup of CO2 in the atmosphere. So then the question becomes, how can we adjust our practices right, in agriculture in the other direction with things just as small as 
fertilizers and how we think about fertilizers and what fertilizers are doing um, in the soils. And so one of the things that's like going on with, with, with the product that we've got with Super 6 is actually, if you look at the total amount of nitrogen that we would typically be applying with Super 6, it's actually really, really small in comparison with the amount of nitrogen that you would see being applied in a regular cropping system. And the reason for that is because um, it's not a simple just nitrogen application. It's meant to be part of a much larger system in which we're going back to utilizing things like manures, which have a lot of carbon in them. And what we're really playing with with this system, as opposed to bypassing that biological system, is we're actually trying to utilize the biological system. So we're going to put a lot of manures on, have nitrogen in them, but they also have a lot of carbon in them that feeds biology. But what we need to do is speed up the breakdown process of those manures to get the nitrogen to release on the scale we need for the plants. So what we're actually doing with like our fertilizer is putting it in and it's basically acting as a food source for biology to spur them on to break these manures down. And we're actually, so again, we're utilizing the biological cycle to get nitrogen released during the year and it's a lot more like the natural cycle where we're not bypassing the natural cycle by just applying mineral fertilizers. So it's those kinds of practices that allow us to get more carbon back out there um, into the soil, um, but also to make sure that the microbes are utilizing that carbon both to create better soil structure and then hopefully some of it remains in the soil at the end of the year. And then when we do that from year to year, we can both help create better functioning soil, but then we can also create more resilient soil and soils with more carbon in them because we're allowing that buffer capacity to build up over time. Very, very fascinating. Um, I think we are coming towards a wrap here. Um, I really, really appreciate both of your all's time today. And for our listeners and viewers, please make sure and go back. As you can tell, uh, Alan is is absolutely an expert in this area and in our product. And our previous episode, um, we talk a lot more specifically about our, our Super 6 product and some of the benefits of our Super 6 product. Um, Jerry, Dr. Hatfield, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome back anytime, as long as I have Alan here to help translate uh, you're, you're more than welcome to come on the show and we really appreciate your time and expertise. Yeah, it, it, it just uh, a couple of closing comments, David, and that's Please. the fact that when we, when we think about soil health uh, and creating this more dynamic, resilient system, uh, the aspects of that are, are really that we haven't talked very much about today is what that means for uh, water storage, what that means for water cycling, what that means for improved uh, plant productivity and resilience that allows the, the systems really to, to work the way we want them to work. And so there's a lot of things that we can, we can talk about. And in starting it from the standpoint of, of getting materials into that soil that allows that microbial system really to uh, be jump-started. You could almost think about giving, analogy we often use is giving your kids a, a Mountain Dew just before bed and expecting yeah, them yeah. to sleep. Uh, the same <laughs> thing is occurring within the soil when we start adding these 
real sugar compounds is that we're giving them a, a high energy source that allows them really to get started. Uh, but we don't want them to crash. We want them to continue to do their things uh, as well. So there's a lot of pieces of this puzzle that uh, are in critical to our understanding of how we really need to be thinking about managing our soils. Well, we certainly uh, appreciate um, knowing you and and I know uh, you and Alan collaborate quite a bit and, um, and we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Like I said, you're welcome back anytime. We hope you'll come back uh, and catch up with us perhaps later this year. And um, Alan, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think uh, I think that Jerry did a really nice job there and thanks for coming on and thanks for having us both on again. Absolutely. Make sure to go back and check out the four-part series. This is part four of four. Uh, we will be back to more regularly scheduled programming here in the next couple of weeks. We have some really exciting guests who are going to come on and talk about other renewable energy strategies for their corporations and how they're addressing uh, and achieving their net zero goals. So please make sure and give us a follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Dr. Hatfield, thank you again. Alan, thank you as always. And uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Renewables. Have a great weekend.